Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. The mainstream narrative was nothing can treat COVID because they wanted to rush through a vaccine. And part of the counter narrative was uh, hydroxychloroquine does, right? Because it showed early promise in some areas. Well, now, it, like if you look at the data, it seems pretty clear that it doesn't actually treat COVID at all. Right. That's right. pretty useless. Right. Um, OK, great. No problem. Like, I, I don't give a shit. I'm married to it. But like you couldn't be on social media and argue that looking at the data, which at the, there was a point where there was some data that indicated it might be a plausible treatment. Right. Right. You couldn't do that. Well, I mean, come on, man. Like, like, look at this. Like, this is not the behavior. These are not the actions of people who care about truth or care about health. These are the actions of people who are trying to control others. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazdeh. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So, Come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazdeh. Boy, do we have a special guest. Second time around on the show, my main man, Tucker Max, is in the house. What's up, Tucker? What's up, up, D? Oh, man. For those of you that are new to the show... You're going to learn right now that we're about two things, people who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. My friend Tucker is neither short of passion nor greatness. So, so excited to have you here, man. It's been a while, man. I haven't seen you. I don't think we've been on online together for probably 18 months or so. How are you doing? It's been a while. Doing great, man. Doing very well. Normally, I give backgrounds on, on how I know people. So, I'll do that for people that, that have not heard the first show. But we had Tucker on the show right after my book launch. And I, I did my book launch, Core Value Equation, with... My main man, Tucker, here and his company, Scribe, which we'll be talking a little bit about. I know you just kind of like a partial exit, right? Like you still... Basically, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're still involved, but you're exited. And so um, so I was introduced to Tucker through John Rulin, author of Giftology, about three years ago, almost to the month. And and I told Tucker, I want to write a book. And we had coffee here in Austin together. He, you know was you were a great source of information an amazing source of information but he he essentially helped me write my book and and it's and from there we you know we become friends covid hit so there's not been a lot of hanging out but a lot of online stuff and just kind of chilling and you know some some behind the scenes connectivity that we were talking about offline before the show but yeah i, I can owe 
my book to Tucker because it wouldn't have happened. If, uh, it, it may have happened, but it wouldn't have happened when it happened if it wasn't for you. And, and I really appreciate that from you, my friend. Dude, thank you. You did most of the work, man. Yeah, no, it, well, it, it takes, you know, the work, you got to do the work either way, but getting the guidance, you know, that's, that's a big part of it's getting that coaching and, and that tutoring. And, and so it was, it was a really big deal for me. It's changed my life in a lot of ways. And, and so, um, that's how I met Tucker and how we, we've gotten to know each other, but I'm going to give the formal bio. We probably have a lot of listeners that know you. Some may, some may not though. Um, but you know, the reason I, I connected with Tucker and why John referred him is Tucker himself is, you know, and I don't know if, you know, for, for some people might use the word famous. I'll use the word famous right now. He's, he's famous for the fact that he's written four New York Times selling, best-selling books, three hit number one. Uh, I read his first book, uh, I, hope, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, uh, probably a decade before I met Tucker. Loved his, his, his books. Like I said, you sold over 4.5 million copies worldwide. You're the creator of the literary genre Fratire. And he's the only fourth writer, along with Mac, Malcolm Gladwell, Brene Brown, and Michael Lewis, to have three books on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list at one time. Uh, nominated for Times Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in 2009, Tucker's helped people like David Goggins, Tiffany Haddish, Dave Sullivan, and others publish their books through Scribina, which we were just talking about. He's the co-founder of that company, just exited it. And you are currently living on a ranch in Dripping Springs with your wife, wife Veronica, and four children, man. What, dude, what a life. How are you doing, man? Yeah, great, man. Fantastic. Like, it's, it's a lot of work out here, but it's, it's awesome. I love it. So my, my wife's family, my wife's aunt got remarried about a decade ago to a, a rancher in Napa, Napa Valley, and he owns a 2,000-acre ranch. And he's he yeah. owns a two thousand acre ranch in Napa Valley. Yeah, it's it's no joke. He's not a rancher. That dude either inherited that or he made a buttload of money doing something else. Um, two thousand acres in Napa. It's like uh, it, it, it's it, 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 Yeah, he bought it in nineteen eighty one. His family uh, is very well known in the oil and gas business. There you go. Uh, and he he was a guy that you know studied wine in the seventies and. And he's one of the like you know essentially the he's he got he's one of the guys that kind of made Napa what it is. His name's Lee Hudson. You can most people he's the guy behind the guy. He's Napa Grape Grower of the Year many times. Yeah. Uh, his what his 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 mother his family his grandmother has a a museum of modern art in Houston named after the Blanford Museum of Modern Art. Oh yeah, of course I know that one. Yeah, he's yeah. a Bla- he's from the Bla- well he's from there's many important names in his family but yeah so yeah. the reason I brought it up wasn't to brag about uh, my wife's family's heritage but was actually because I watched him work that land. Right. And and dude, I mean for a guy that was born to do he could do whatever the heck he wants, he busts his ass. Like he's yeah. up early and he's working that ranch and that, and, and it is, I mean, I stay there all the time and hang out there. And so like, that's a big piece of land and most of it, they're not, you know, they're just kind of maintaining it. But dude, 50 acres, I, I have one acre of land, which is a ton in, in central Austin. I mean, I can't imagine 50 acres. So, so yeah, let's, let's back up. So you guys, when did you guys move out to Dripping Springs with this ranch? October. Oh, so this just happened like five months ago, six months ago. Yeah, we just got here. And, yeah. and so... What was the driving force for you to get into the ranch? Well, I mean, so there were my wife and I had always talked about we wanted to get on land and and uh, all that kind of stuff. But the real driving force was, I mean, honestly, what has happened in the world and specifically America over the last two years, right? Like, I'm convinced that we and it's funny. 
it's like uh, uh, every month it, it, things get more chaotic. And I'm convinced we're heading into a phase, just a phase of history, where things are going to get hard uh, in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And um, in, whether you're talking about climate change or supply chain issues or pandemics or war uh, or, God forbid, nuclear war, which was off the table seemingly for decades and now uh, weirdly has come back, or some other uh, set or series of things, there's a lot of uh, – we came out of a period that was quite honestly probably the richest, most abundant, safest period, at least in the West, that – the world has ever known. And that's over, uh, at least for a while. The question really for us became, well, how do we handle that, right? Like, once you kind of see it and admit it to yourself, which most people still haven't, um, which whatever is fine. But the, the, the only real thing you can do is decide to really get serious about being sovereign, right? And I mean sovereign in the sense where you are not reliant on other entities for your existence. Right. So we live on land that is unincorporated. We have our own. So we own our sources of water. We own we have redundant uh, sources of energy. So we have some owned sources of energy, solar, et cetera. And uh, we own our sources of food. Right. So like we have fields with cattle and sheep and chickens and we can grow things. Now, we're not like. A lot of people are like, oh, you're trying to be off-grid preppers. or No, there's no such thing as off-grid. Like, if you think you're off-grid, then what do you do when a power coupler breaks for your solar? You realize you're, you're not just on-grid, you're tied to China, right? So it's like, so stop with off-grid. It's about being able to be capable of producing everything you as much as possible of what you need, either yourself or within your immediate community, right? And so... So once we really kind of, you know, like uh, woke up over the last two years and realized, oh, man, like we our entire lives are completely dependent upon this supply chain and this edifice that is breaking at best. It's just breaking at worst. There could be other things going on, but it's breaking. Right. And so it's like, OK, well, we need to get we need to go somewhere and and it's not just good. You don't just scale up. You're like, oh, well, if America sucks, uh, go somewhere else. Like, it's not I don't think that's how it's going to work. You know, like, uh, it, I think it's like this is things are going to be difficult everywhere. And so the question is, where are you going to be where you can both be very sovereign, but then also be around other people, be in a community of people who are doing similar things, right, who are very self-reliant who are producing their own things who can produce things that can help you and you can trade and vice versa. Right. But that, that's why we, that's why we picked dripping Springs, Texas, which is about an hour outside of Austin. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like-minded people here. Um, there's uh, for central Texas. It's It's, there's got a lot of water. It, it, it's uh, there's a lot of other reasons why we picked this area. But um, and so that's what we've been doing the last six months is getting the ranch. It was already pretty nice, but really getting it up to speed where, like, God forbid, you know, the world's economic uh, uh, network shuts down for two months. Right. Um, we'll be fine. Like, we'll be yeah. great. You know, like, uh, I'm not going to be excited that I can't, you know 
go get other cool things, but like, we're not, you know, we're going to be, we'll have all the water and power and food we need. So, so a lot of people that are like, just like, uh, what are we, uh, 10 minutes in the show, they're like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? Right. Um, and Man, at this point, if you, if what I just said is a complete shock to you, uh, I would uh, recommend you look around at the way the world has been the last two years. And if you think everything's going fine, probably just go ahead and turn the podcast off and because uh, you're not going to make it. So just go ahead and make the most out of the next three to six months or two or three years. Uh, and then, you know, I'll see you guys. Like, <laughs> if, the, if the idea that you need to start preparing for a chaotic world is beyond you, man, you're so far behind the eight ball. I don't know if you can catch up anymore. <laughs> yeah. So what's funny, so so what what kind of led me, you know, I've been, you know, casually following some of the stuff you've been talking about. There's other folks that I um listen to and that I that I trust, like yourself, that are have this has popped up on my radar in multiple areas. So the first place that popped up in my radar was about four years ago. I was at MIT and there's someone that came and spoke to us and they started talking about the book The Fourth Turning. Yeah. By how Right. Mm -hmm. So, so for those listeners that don't know, this is essentially it's that the world has these like 80 to 150 year cycles and that, you know, people die who live through the hardship. So they don't like the the next guy was born and didn't, and then they have a kid and that kid never experienced the hardship. And that we as humans are kind of doomed to repeat ourselves both like politically and then economically and then, you know, geopolitically. Right. So, so these things all kind of, these, there's these cycles happen, these macro cycles, some of it's debt driven, some of it's politically driven, but, but like what's happening today has already happened before. Right. I think the last time one could argue that, that we were in this type of cycle was probably like 1920s, 1930s. Right. That was the end of the last cycle supposedly. And then I'm a big Ray Dalio fan and mm -hmm. When he started talking, he has his new book, Changing World or Order, which is essentially the rise and fall of empires. And he, he just published it, but he put the PDFs out about a year ago. And I and I was dev I devoured them. I read all of them because I like Ray Dalio's stuff. I like the way he thinks. And a lot of the stuff that he's talking about, he says, you know, there's a six-stage cycle. That's at least what he's broken it down into. Hal says there's a four-stage cycle. The fourth turning is the, the cleansing, the change. Dahlia says there's a six stage cycle and there were at late stage five right now. Right. His says his is all based off debt, the debt of nations, the printing of money. And so to make a long story short, I've been hearing these things that Tucker's talking about that you're talking about from other folks as well. And the, essentially it all comes down to what you just said a moment ago is that we're in this part in the cycle where things are going to get hard and that there's going to be a lot of disruption and challenges that we have to work through in order to have that the, the, the next spring, right? To, to the cleansing of the systems. So, you know, I will say this, my nickname with a lot of my friends, it, you know, which I, I'm trying to shake this nickname because a lot of it's based off of some old ways of thinking is Doomsday Darius, right? I'm always worried about the worst thing happening. Now, mind you, my, my parents lived through the Persian Iranian revolution. I was one and a half years old when that happened. Uh, you know, I, I, my parents fled the country when I was literally like 18 months old. I was there. So maybe some of the shits, you know, like epigenetically in my body, right? What epigenetic? You were alive. Epigenetic is cross-generational. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh. 18 months, you're, uh, 
it, 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 18 months old 18 months old can suffer trauma yeah yeah 100% that's part of your lived experience yeah. right right so that trauma definitely been absorbed and so like i found it kind of find its way so when i hear this stuff i tend to like uh, my initial reactions i kind of di- lean into it right and i'm like oh fuck is this going to happen and then the other part of me is like all right man and most of the time it never fucking happens so i need to like just kind of take the data points and not overwhelm myself with it so a lot of the stuff you're saying, like, I'll say honestly, makes me a little anxious because I'm like, fuck, man, like, is that really what we're walking into? Are we walking into this time of disruption? Now, I'm going to fast forward and I want to kind of dive into this idea and we're going to talk about We are. We are walking into a time of disruption. The only real question is how much? Right. How right. does it play out? I mean, like, you can have a... You can have a time of disruption that's not like on the scale of disruption. Let's say a one to ten scale. It can be like a two. Or it can be, you know, excuse me, or it can be like an empire ending societal collapse 10. No one knows. Right. If you don't think we're walking into a time of disruption, (laughs) you're really good at ignoring every piece of reality outside of your head, right? The question isn't, are we going into a a time of disruption? The question is, how long is it? How much disruption? How does it play out? That's it in my mind. So I love that you're saying that. So this is what I, because I, I had the conversation with my, with my wife and a lot of it, again, I, I read, so you put out, uh, you had written an article and we can maybe talk about where people could find that around this idea of doomer optimism. We, and I want to talk about right. doomer optimism. And I've been following other friends that are talking about this and starting to read, you know, I, I learned some new acronyms like shit hits the fan, right? What is that? Like, yep. like yep. This, uh, the S H T F, right? S H F, right? Like shit hits the fan, right? And, and starting to read about times in like Bosnia when they did, went out, when they lost power for, you know, a year. And you start reading like what people did during that time frame. And what I told my wife was this, I said, Hey, look, I think we need to start planning for this, the, you know, these disruptions at least somewhat right mm-hmm. and, and what got me there was last year we live in so tucker and i both live in austin texas where the fucking grid almost like imploded like it went as close as it the could did us go down for a yeah, while yeah i mean but literally they were saying we weren't like we we're going to be down for a month right and yeah that, no, that was alarmist nonsense the, but right. the grid did go down like in all like uh, we'd roll all kinds of blackouts all around the state Right. And so what I told my wife was, I said, hey, look, this is the second time since we moved. I moved to Austin five years ago in April. I said, this is the second time. I'm 43 years old. I was 42 when I had said when these words came out of my mouth. I said, this is the second time in two years that our supply chain for power and food has been disrupted. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Are you going to pay attention or just, oh, no, it's just those two. I, it's so shocking to me how how resistant so many people are to the idea that they should take responsibility for their own lives. That's what sovereignty is. Sovereignty doesn't mean like, I guess you can, it means you can go live off in the woods alone and not talk to anyone. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, like I have neighbors, like we, we just started a school two minutes away on a different 10 acres of property. Like we're we're the opposite. A lot of people have this idea that like, prepping or that kind of stuff because the old school idea of prepping was essentially uh, taken off of the idea that we're all gonna there's gonna be a nuclear apocalypse right because right? that was the cold war anxiety and um in a nuclear apocalypse 
Like if we had nuclear war with, with Russia, yeah, supply chains aren't going to fracture and slow down. Like the world's just done. The way you understood the world before is totally done. And then there is a massive destruction. And that's like there's uh, – I don't even know what would happen. Who knows afterwards, right? That's not what I'm t- – I don't think that's going to happen. Right? That doesn't make sense. I don't think the likelihood of – I guess it's possible, but the likelihood right. of that seems – even now – even with all the shit going on in the Ukraine, I, I really don't think that that's a high likelihood. I think what we're seeing is an empire collapse, right? And we've seen empires collapse many, many times. We've seen the British Empire collapse, the Mongol Empire collapse, the Roman Empire collapse, multiple Chinese empires collapse. We've seen, you know, go down, you know, shogunates. Like, all you, we know what it looks like when empires collapse. The American Empire has peaked and is now collapsing. And the question is, how does that play out, right? And so most of it, man, I didn't even realize. I didn't realize how much of my reality and responsibility for myself I subcontracted out to other people and to the government and to all of these sorts of things, right? So get get some examples for listeners that are like, I don't do that. Like, give some examples because I, I know what you're saying, but I, w- I want you to say like, okay. like, like what? what give some examples, and, and and if you don't mind, like, what was the moment when you're like, what was the, was it was it COVID or was it? This? Well, I mean, it, it depends. It wasn't one moment, right? Okay. It, enlightenment very rarely happens. Like, like I know in movies it's cool to be like, oh, I'm an idiot, and then like a flash of lightning happens, I'm, I'm a complete enlightened genius. It doesn't work like that. That would be awesome. But that's not really how it works, right? I like you know, in January of 2020, right, pre-COVID, I, I thought I was awake. I understood how the world worked, and I did in a lot of ways. But uh, uh, man, all right. So you know, COVID rolls around, right? And uh, uh, at the very beginning in March, you can look at my Twitter timeline and see the posts. I was like, oh yeah, this seems like we all saw the same videos. The people. Falling over in the streets in China, which we now know, like, what the fuck is that, right? We, I bought it, hook, line, and sinker, right? And so in March, or especially early March, late February, early March, I was like, oh, yeah, lockdowns, whatever. Uh, then by April, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, n- none of the reaction made any sense. None of the things that governments or public health authorities were talking about or doing made any sense if the goal was to either manage a pandemic, help people stay healthy, et cetera, et cetera, right? None of it. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits, Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now. And let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin-D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. 
Ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Why, why, what do you, like, give, an exa- give some examples. Oh, well, okay. How about the fact that they <laughs> brazenly, brazenly, uh, and uh, unapologetically immediately switch stances on masks, right? Like, p- before COVID, any medical professional could have told you that masks are useless or essentially useless for viruses, Right, that it, it, for airborne respiratory viruses, they are not effective. Period. Like, there's decades of re- this is not even an, it wasn't an arguable thing in medicine. It wasn't a debatable point, right? And er, super early on, right? Like, it, I, I remember like very early on, like yeah. people were like, oh yeah, of course you're not gonna like wear a mask for this. That's nonsense, right? Then weirdly, all of a sudden. Everything shifted out of nowhere. Like the the powers of, oh, yeah, we have to have masks. And it's like, what? this doesn't even make sense. Like nothing about this. Well, the funny thing is early, early on, before people really even knew what COVID was, when like the San Francisco VC firms were like, don't shake hands, wear masks, because we don't know what this virus is or what this uh, disease is, Right. Actually, in that case, masks can make sense, right? Because right, like, yeah. you don't know what the hell this is going on. Yeah. And so, but then they were saying, don't wear masks. And then once people figured out, or they were saying, uh, the smart people were saying, wear masks. And, and, and you remember the media was like, oh, don't wear masks, don't wear masks. They were admittedly, they were lying about that because they, because they, 
our supply chains were completely fragile and all PPE is made it was made in like two places and so they couldn't get any supplies so they were lying to people uh, given the knowledge at the time to not wear masks oh yeah you shouldn't wear masks then we kind of figure out what COVID is a little bit. It's like, oh, okay, this is airborne respiratory virus. We don't need masks for it. Cool. And then they switch. Oh, yeah, you got to wear masks. Masks is the, the science said. No, the science doesn't say. That's fucking nonsense. It's such, like, it's, uh, and then it became, it then it became a whole point of censorship. If someone argued this, then like they were, uh, their posts were blocked. They were taken off. I mean, like the, all, all the people, who like have spoken truth about COVID or have contradicted the mainline narrative about COVID, I should say. Because sometimes people are saying shit that's just wrong. Like it turns out hydroxychloroquine doesn't really treat COVID. Like there's right. actually been a couple of countries that have really done actually rigorous data on this. You know, early on, like the mainstream narrative was nothing can treat COVID because they wanted to rush through a vaccine. And part of the counter narrative was uh, hydroxychloroquine does, right? Because it showed early promise in some areas. Well, now, it, like, if you look at the data, it seems pretty clear that it doesn't actually treat COVID at all, right? That's right. pretty useless, right? Um, okay, great. No problem. Like, I, I don't give a shit. I'm married to it. But, like, you couldn't be on social media and argue that it, looking at the data which at the, there was a point where there was some data that indicated it might be a plausible treatment, right? Right. You couldn't do that. Well, I mean, come on, man. Like, like, look at this. Like, this is not the behavior. These are not the actions of people who care about truth or care about health. These are the actions of people who are trying to control others. So, so if you back up, right, because I could, I, I would support what you just said around, because I think we saw this in the 2020 election too, right? So there's been this lead up where, first of all, we have the way people are consuming information in the last five years has, dra has changed dramatically from the previous few years because you have, essentially it's happening through social media, unvetted sources, there's a lot yeah. of misinformation, there's a lot of manipulation going around. So the world we live in is this world of... Most like, of the misinformation is coming from the mainstream media. Right, yeah. The vast yeah. majority yeah, and you have these different camps that have their own <laughs> worldview. The corporate, what I would call the corporate media, actually, the vast majority is right. So, so, so th this is the world we live in, and and now we go into COVID times. Supply chains start breaking down, and and so I guess my question for you was, you, you know, you're seeing these bits and pieces of information. At what point were you like, hey, the world's changed, and I need to get ready for it? You're like, finally, enough well, of the I mean, data okay. came in. Like, like there were a couple, like. The moment I knew COVID was absolute, complete bullshit, right? Like, like that the, the narrative around COVID was total bullshit was in June of 2020 when all the BLM riots started. And all of a sudden, all of these people who had been saying, all the public health authorities who had been saying, quote, experts, epidemiologists, right? Which is a bullshit science. It's about as, as rigorous as economics. Uh, all of a sudden switched and said, no, 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 it's okay for 20,000 people to gather together shoulder to shoulder because racism is a bigger public health emergency than COVID. It's like, okay, so you're obviously a lying hypocrite. You are an absolute fucking clown. <laughs> like, there is ab like you cannot argue one and then the other and then pretend that truth matters or facts matter at all. At all. Like, 
It just say, no, I don't care about truth and facts. I only care about power. So I'm going to argue whatever gets me power. Just be fucking honest about it. Like, okay, great. Cool. You're a sociopath who's only concerned about power. Okay. Then that's who you are. I get it. Right. And, and so that was and like, and man, listen, I am. I watched that George Floyd video. It was one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen in my uh, life. Just disgusting. I totally got why people got upset. I got why people went to the streets and I, I, I get it. Right. I a hundred percent get that. Like uh, it made me ill to watch that fucking sociopath with his knee on the guy's neck. It's like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Like as a human, if your heart doesn't break watching that, I don't give a fuck about context. I don't give a shit if George Floyd was on every drug on earth. None of that matters. Dude fucking murdered him in this street out of, oh, it's the worst. And so I got the rage in the air. I get it. And that's not what I'm talking about. People go, shit, man, I'm good getting the streets too on that shit. That's fucked up. It's horrible. But there are people trying to justify it. This is okay. The COVID rules don't apply here. Then you're just a liar. You're just a liar. Just stop it, right? That was that was where I was like, okay, this whole narrative is bullshit. And let, let me just ask you your thoughts on this because so my 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 stepdad was the chief diabetic science for Abbott Labs. Right. So I get so I, so he's a he's a real scientist, right? Like the guy who practiced science for forty years, and and so he's a smart guy. He understands scientific you know theory and practice and all that stuff and scientific method. And and so he and I tend because I'm kind of I call you know I'm a I'm a moderate and you always say you know you're right. a moderate when your Republican friends call you a Democrat and your Democratic friends call you a Trump lover, you yeah. Right. So so I, I so I see both sides and I feel like I'm in the middle. And so you know I've challenged him on some of these these things you're talking about, and his answer is always like, look, everyone always wants to create a you know ulterior motive or story or all these things. He said, but usually the simplest answer is the most the realest answer, right? Which is and so using this argument, the argument that why the hell is there hypocrit- hypocritical behavior in the media, which, I mean, I think you and I both know why there is, because there <laughs> there always is, right? There's always shit people talking out of both sides of their mouth. But what if, like, what if the argument there is, and I, and I don't want to get stuck on this because I really want to go to the, the to the bigger topic at hand, which is we got a lot of problems that we're dealing with. But but like when you say all this, I agree. But, but if the government had came out and said, hey, you're not allowed to leave your homes you have to wear masks. We're going to like, how do you even control something like that when you have such a big, I mean, there's a worldwide demonstration against this. And, and so they could have, the government said, Hey, you need to wear masks when you're, when you're, you know, having these demonstrations. I mean, you know, like, how do you even manage something like that? You know what I mean? Like, cause that's, that's what the, what the response scientifically should have been, which is, Hey, it's unsafe for people to go meet in mass like this. And you need to be wearing masks or let's say masks don't even work, right? Because that was, if we're saying they don't work, we're saying, look, you can't even meet to demonstrate this because it's a, it's a health risk. I, I mean, could, could it, the argument be that, that they're like, we can't say that. We're going to like, they're going to overthrow the government if we do this. Like we cannot t- tell people they cannot demonstrate. This is a, like, there's so much emotion around this topic. Like what's the, what's, it's like the lesser of the two problems, right? The bigger problem is going to be, you're going to have a surge in COVID or the smaller problems of surge in COVID, the bigger problems, we actually try to stop people from expressing this because it's so much outrage. I, I, I guess, is that could that be a simpler answer that they're like, fuck it, we'll take the, the lesser of the two problems? You know what I mean? Are, are, are you asking me if the government was manipulating a different way than the way I said? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I'm saying that the government's like, uh, if we try to get in front of this, we're going to be standing. There's too much social pressure for us to say, don't don't meet in public to demonstrate this outrage. So either way, they're fucking liar, bald face fucking liars. Oh, I, I listen. I like so I either think way, they're, they're bald face fucking liars. Fair enough. The fair only enough. question is really like, so you're saying, hold on, maybe that they're not as horrible and hypocritical. Maybe they're just power hungry monsters trying to retain power. <laughs> Either way, they're bald faced fucking liars. And, right. And on, that, and on that note, let's go. <laughs> I agree with you. Like, like, look, there's mistrust in the government because the government has been hoarding power and not doing, like, our politicians do not go and try to do what's right for the people in bulk or else we wouldn't have a lot of problems we have. And, you know, I have a, I have a mentor, Rand Stegan, that says, listen, we have level five problems and level three leaders in this world right now. And, until we have a level up in leadership level negative five leaders yeah yeah well no uh, seriously i mean yeah like... it, because the incentive system's broken right people if you want to affect behavior you got to affect the incentives and their incentives are uh, misaligned it's like same as like the stock markets uh, incentives to run your business for the long term are misaligned with the way we we price stocks right because we price them daily and quarterly but we want long-term effects right so we have these incentive systems that are misaligned in our financial systems and our political systems to your point it's creating a ton of stress in the system and we have this we're in this part of the of the, the of the cycle or whatever you want to call it where there's a lot of stress and so you've opted to start going out and talking about this and to try to create some change, at least for your own family. How does the average person, how do they take action with this type of, I mean, because we're talking about a lot of negative shit right now. How does the average person, how does an average person take action with this in mind, in your mind? So this is why uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a circular route to, route to answer your question. Uh, it's a great question. What do I do? Is the question, right? This is why I actually don't really like getting into deep specifics about how the government fucked up or who's doing what. For, well, there's two reasons for that. One is because I don't know, right? I, I, sure. I have some ideas about what might be going on, but I don't know, right? And so, like, it'd be like if you and I had a discussion about what's going on in Ukraine right now with Russia, like, we don't fucking know. Yeah, it's a, your guess. Man, we, don't, we don't fucking know at all, man. Like, all, I'm not even sure. Stuff. I'm not even sure Putin uh, fully understands all, everything at play, right? And he's in the middle of it. Yeah, he's like one of the prime actors. So we definitely don't know fuck about shit. And so, like, what the hell? Like, what most people do? Like, let's just take that as an example: is they repeat the opinion of whatever monkey on their screen told them that they're supposed to have right and so that actually gets to the first thing that someone can do is stop giving your attention to people who hate you and who are trying to manipulate you to serve their needs and not yours right that's the first thing is literally i don't even have my phone in to hold it up say turn this off turn it off stop right that's number one Hey gang, Darius Mashaza here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. So listen, I know we have a lot of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners out there that listen to the show. And right now, if you're one of those folks and you're doing, let's call it a bare minimum of seven figures and above in your business, then what I'd like to do is give you an offer right now. How would you like to get your hands 
on the frameworks that I actually used to scale my last company, which started off as a small little seven-figure company to over $100 million in annual revenue. And I did it in less than two years, and I did it without costly growing pains, without the headaches that you usually experience when you are scaling your business. So if you're one of those folks and you're trying to grow your company, but you're, you're finding yourself stuck in that day-to-day, if you're one of the listeners and you're getting grinded, this is your respite from getting grinded on your business, you're listening to our show, and you're dealing with the breakdowns, you're dealing with inefficiencies, and you know, you've know got that firefighter suit on and all the problems lining on your desk, and you're, you're not doing the work you're supposed to be doing, which is working on the business instead of in it, then what I'm about to talk to you about for the next call 60 seconds, this is precisely for you. Real quickly though, if you don't already know this about me, prior to starting The Greatness Machine, I spent 20 years of my life as a founder and CEO of real world companies. And during that time, I actually grew my companies to over $1.2 billion with a B in bootstrap revenue. In fact, uh, we scaled our, my last company from 30 to 1,000 employees, and we did it in just 36 months. And we did it all by using a three-step framework that I call my scale map method. So that, of course, brings us to the purpose of this here mid-roll ad. Yes, this is what the podcast producers call these things. Recently, I created a 30-minute training. And what it does is it walks you step-by-step through all of my scale map method frameworks. And you can watch it right now for free when you go to DariusScale.com. That's my first name, Darius. Scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And what these frameworks do is they fix... They simplify and they streamline every single aspect of your business. And they do it without the need for complicated scaling systems that are typically way too difficult and way too time consuming for a busy CEO like you and from like myself was to implement. So if you want a simple and you want a proven path to remove yourself from the day-to-day operations, just like I did, so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing, which is leading your company to record growth without the headaches and without the growing pains, go to DariusScale.com. That's www.DariusScale.com. Watch the short video, and I'll see you guys on the inside. Now, back to the show. My lover. Number two is decide. Because you now, once you do that, there's going to be a big hole in your life. So decide, what are you going to fill that hole with? I decided to fill that hole with complete, total personal responsibility and accountability, both for myself and my family. First myself, then my family, my direct family, like my wife and children, then my community, right? In increasing layers out, meaning like my closest friends, the people who live closest to me, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Because I don't care what your phone tells you. You are not a global citizen. That is bullshit. And you are not a citizen of the world. That is essentially bullshit. That doesn't exist. What what, What you are is a person whose the vast overwhelming majority of your reality is lived within with a tiny group of people in a tiny geographic area that has a limited impact. And there's no shame with that. That's not a bad thing, right? But understand that's your actual reality. So when you say... That just is. Yeah, so so just to repeat what I heard you say, like what I just heard you say is, yes, the idea of globalism is real, but this idea that like we are all affecting each other in this macro way and that needs to come first, is that is that that's the misnomer? Yeah. Or is that's that- one. Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, if you think that you're 
if I drop a rock into a pond, right? Yeah, of course. Like, uh, or you know, you ask me what can you do? Right? <laughs> I'm trying to answer. No, no, seriously, I'm trying to answer that. The first yeah. thing is detach yourself from media sources that have nothing to do with your life. The second thing under is understand that the, that the overwhelming majority of your reality is that which you can touch and see and feel directly around you. It is not going on in the fucking Ukraine. That has nothing to do with your reality. Not literally, but essentially, right? Of course, all things on Earth are connected. uh, Obviously, I get that. But not in a way you need to worry about, right? That's, And then the third thing would be understand, okay, if this is my reality, the next question to ask is, is it the reality I want? Okay. Right? Because most of the what media is designed to do, and I, I, I've only worked in this field for 20 fucking years, and I'm really good at it. What it is designed to do is distract you and fool you and manipulate you into believing things that do not serve you. Do you, and do you believe that that's true for, in general or specifically with like if I use like Reuters? That's definitely Reuters. true with the corporate media. That is the entire point of the corporate media. Is is okay. That is it. That is the point of the corporate media. That is the entire notion. I mean, this is not like some weird off-center critique. That consumerism. Yeah, no, I, I Consumerist capitalism. Don't give me, I'm not like some fucking asshole Marxist, but consumerist capitalism, the entire point of that is essentially to tell you that you are not good enough and that you can buy something to make you good enough. That is the point. That is what it is. That is what all essentially all advertising is. You aren't enough. So go do this or buy this or look at this and you will be. Okay. That is what it is. That is a lie. And if you let go of that lie, right, which is not easy because every single interaction in most people's lives is re- is swimming in the sea of that lie. Right? So it's like a fish in, in the ocean. It's like trying to explain that in the water. Yeah, it exists, but it's this tiny fraction of what well, there's other stuff out there. Like it can't really even understand that, right? Just like most people. Most you go look at like the idiot who had a Black Lives Matter, like the white soccer mom from the suburbs of uh, Alex uh, of DC, who had a Black Lives Matter fucking thing in, uh, uh, then put on her her uh, Biden fucking uh, Kamala one, then put uh, put on the you know uh, her I got vaccinated, I got boosted thing, and now has a Ukrainian flag in her avatar, right? She who thinks she's an independent, she's just being, she's literally just accepting the opinions that have been assigned to her by the corporate media. That's it. That's like those people aren't thinking. Did you watch the State of the Union last night? Man, of course not. So, (laughs) how hilarious would it be for me to be like unplugged from the media? I'm like, oh, of course I I watched all this. It's what kind of, it's almost like if you weren't, I know you, that's not what you're doing. But like that'd be a great way to fucking call my shit out, wouldn't it? It's like, 
Oh, so you did watch? So you're not that unplugged, are you? I'm like, <laughs> no, I didn't watch that shit, dude. What's wrong I put, with you? you know, I put it on for that, like that derelict uh, Alzheimer's <laughs> patient. I'm not. What, what is he gonna say that has <laughs> any impact on you? You know, you know what, uh, you know what though? I, I actually thought it was a really good represent visit visual, visual representation of everything we're talking about right now. And, I'm and sure I'll, it was, and, and I'll explain. If we're if we're in a country right now, and and I, I want to talk about optimism next from this because i want i i think i think the movement to to what's positive and what we can do to create a better world is is where we need to go but i was watching it for a few minutes like i accidentally i was actually trying to see what time like i don't i don't watch the news at all i never really have so like everything you're talking about i'm like i just have for whatever reason it's always seemed like bullshit to me so i just don't pay a lot of attention to it yeah Uh, and so i was going to see what time it was because i put my son to bed at like 8 30 and and it's like 824 or something like that so I, I said hey what time is it and he didn't know so we're like flipping through the channels to see to see if something would show what time it was right. and i go straight to the state of the union so i leave it on for 15 minutes and two things i noticed number one forget about biden trump biden whatever you want to whoever the next guy is or girl um they were just doing their thing but every there was i i, I don't know 48 standing ovations in like 48 minutes I didn't even leave it on. I just I I, I was like puking in my mouth because I was like, "Come on, man!" Like, like it was it, it was so many standing ovations. I was just like, "Let like this is ridiculous." This is I I when I had my last company, we I made a rule during our month end calls that you could not have that many clapping sessions because it was I said it's disingenuous and it's actually not sincere. It means that you're just doing it to out of it's like repetition it's a for show, right? So I told my team we only clap when it's meaningful. Because because yeah. that way you're showing people you support them. And I saw yeah. Kamala Harris and Pelosi standing up with the fake smiles on their faces, clapping fakely for like. Tw- and I'm not even like I'm a moderate. I don't care about either side of the fence. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm talking because I'm like a like hardcore hate Biden. I think I even voted for Biden honestly. And, and I was I hated on that part of of it. And then the second thing that I realized was. I saw a moment when the Republicans were sitting there ignoring him, checking, and they show these three guys like looking at their phones while the president of the United States is talking. And I said, even if you don't agree with the president of the United States, that behavior is disrespectful behavior. We're disrespecting our own country, right? And so it was those two acts right there. I I don't even know if I agree with that anymore. Which I think the fact that you even feel five years ago, five years ago, I think I definitely would have. I know. I think I, I don't think I do anymore. Yeah, it, it, it's it, and 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 yeah, I don't know, but but well, but let, it was, me, let me ask. Let me ask you: Did you feel respected over the last two years by by politicians? I've i felt the same way about about our government for a long time, which is I I think that there it's an inefficient machine that is all about power and the power tight sways but back and forth. Do I feel? I mean, I, I've had different feelings about this whole thing than than others. I think that 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 this is a. Uh, I think there's been some power grabbing going on, and I think that this was an event that they didn't know what to do with, and it was mismanaged. That's my general feelings on the topic, but but you know, and I know you don't you don't feel that way, but no, like I, I, you could have sold me on mismanagement maybe for the first eight to t- ten months, and because it, it, it also depends on what level of government you're talking about. Yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, local and state governments. No, I think lo- I, I think locals managing as best they can. Yeah, they're they're of course they they mismanage everything. Like uh, the people with skill and talent are in business. They're not in government, especially local government. Be serious. Like that's the dregs of the drugs. Um, no, dude. Like 
You could have sold me on that as a larger idea for a while. But now, at this point, no. Mm -mm. Well, it'll be interesting to see if we really are out of the woods on this. It'll be interesting to see how quickly we turn this thing off and make it not a public health emergency. Or Hello? Have you noticed? Like, Biden didn't – he said – because I saw on Twitter, he said something like – didn't he say, like, uh, you know, COVID shouldn't be a, a partisan issue or disagreeing with each other? The motherfucker, like, four months ago was like, this is a disease of the unvaccinated. I hope you all die this winter. I mean, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, stop it with that. Yeah, I mean, like, during what? Del- it, during wasn't Delta- even, it wasn't even a year ago he was saying that. Like, it was like a few months ago. Yeah, it's 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 a complicated an issue. <laughs> it's not complicated. You just don't want to you don't want to accept the truth because the truth is hard. If you really accept the truth of what's going on in the last couple of years, then it what it means is the era of comfort and safety and ease is over. Yeah, so let's so, so let's so let's say we're there. Right, which which I which like I said, Doomsday Darius is a nickname I have. So like I I'm like, I, like when you talk about a lot of this stuff, I'm like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so you've obviously made a lot of changes in your life to be sovereign, to have to create some some com- well, like, to be as sovereign as possible. I still live in America, dude. I'm not I'm not a kook about this. Like I'm paying my taxes. I don't want fucking the sheriff showing up with guns in my place. Like. So I'm not. Don't be like, oh, he's sovereign. No, 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 oh, no. no. I'm increasing my sovereignty is a very yeah. different thing than being like, I'm not paying taxes to the U.S. government. It's still a gang of men with guns, and they're yeah, still, no, still no, take I, your I, shit if you don't pay your protection money. Yeah, sorry, I, 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 I didn't mean that. What I, what I meant was like, look, you're taking action, which mm-hmm. well, around this, which uh, anyone could yes. talk shit about this stuff. I, I, I could have a hundred people on the show to talk shit on this, and I could say, well, what are you doing about it? And their answer is like, nothing. I'm just talking yeah, shit. Post it on Twitter. <laughs> Posting <laughs> shit on Twitter. And, yeah. So you're not. You know, you're obviously you, you guys have built a ranch. You guys are. Trying to con- All right, you know, so, so, so what actions should someone take right away? I, right. There's five planks you need to look at in your life, right? And then start, I, like, I would just essentially start looking at each five. The first one is defense. Can you take care of yourself in, in, in a violent situation? Can you defend what is yours, meaning your body, your stuff, your family? If the answer is no, you better start solving that problem right fucking now. So defense would be self-defense. Defense is number one. That's self-defense. Firearms, where you live, how your house is set up. Like, I mean, there's a whole – I'm actually doing a whole um, thing about this right now because, like, I'm going through the five planks. One is is, – on my blog. One is defense. Two, I would probably say is water, right? So, like, if we're talking about sovereignty – like you got again, you got to start at the bottom of, of the beef. Figure out Maslow's pyramid. Start at the bottom. First is defense, security. Second is water. Uh, like I own my water. I have multiple redundant owned water sources, right? Well, rainwater capture, and I understand. I'm not saying it, it, you can't go from zero to perfect, right? So like I didn't. You start with oh shit, I don't know. Like I, the water, I don't know. Okay, great. Well, you can go from there to having a Berkey filter. Right, which is we have three in our house. Yeah, I got those one. things. Th- those things can filter. You can seriously piss and vomit in the top, and clean ass water comes out. But they're amazing, right? You can get one of those today. You can put a huge water storage thing. Where okay, I've got a hundred gallons in my 
a garage or whatever, like a you know water, just a, like a bucket, a, a barrel. If the bad things happen, okay, like we're gonna be okay for two weeks or whatever. Okay, great. Like uh, water. Next, probably I would say food uh, comes after water, right? Like, what are you eat? I mean, this is so much like. What do you have stored up in case the grid goes down, right? Like happened in Texas last year. What do you have on on site? Where are you getting your food, right? So like in Texas, you should, we have our own cows. We also have relationships with ranchers, right? We can buy more cows. We can buy more beef. We have direct relationships, right? What, so what, like, but what if you don't have a ranch? Like, like, like storing food, freezing food. Like, I mean, if power goes down, the freezer's not going to work. No, you're right. Which is why you want to have backup generators, Right. Next is what? Fuel. Power. 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 Right. Okay. Doesn't have to be fuel. Could be power. Solar's not fuel, but it's power. Fair enough. So, like, we have, uh, you know, we're we're on one of the reasons we picked this ranch is because we're on one of the 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 secondary, the old school power co-ops in Texas, which are incredibly robust, which is a hydroelectric, and that thing doesn't really go down much. Like, if that thing goes down. Man, there's way bigger problems. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, uh, I mean, like the whole system, like, you know, wires, stuff go down, whatever. But like, uh, uh, th- we also have backup generators, like propane generators with multi-thousand gallon tanks buried right beneath them, right? So we got, you know, that's not just days. That's weeks and months of power. Yeah. yeah. How also big is solar? Hey, let me ask a question. On the pa- on the propane, because we, we started looking at putting a generator for our house and that was what they, th- there was different opportunities, but how big of a propane tank did you guys go with? We went with a thousand gallons for the secondary one and 1500 for the primary. So, so 2,500 gallons and how long does that last for? It depends on a couple different factors, winter, blah, blah, blah. Like what, how much our, our backup solar is taking off, whatever, but we're figuring worst case scenario should last at least a month. Okay. Probably that, we can stretch two months out of it. Yeah. Cause they were talking about us hooking up to the natural gas and I said, well, if the gas goes down, then I'm, I, that doesn't yeah, the problem with the natural gas uh, system in Texas is that it's run by the power grid. It's right. not an independent grid. Right. So if the grid goes down, you're fucked. What I would do in if you're going to stay in Austin, which I think it's, uh, I don't think there's anything stupider than being in big cities in the next decade. Like it is one of the dumbest possible things you could do. But if you're going to stay in Austin, like if you're going to be in a big city, Texas is a place to be. And if you're going to be uh, in Austin, I would get one of the multi fuel generators. So okay. like there's there's ones that run off natural gas and propane and diesel. I think you can get the three ones too. Okay. I'd probably do at least a natural gas propane and you bury a tank beneath it and it's hooked up to natural gas. You're you're gonna be good to go for quite well, a while. Uh, I will I, I will tell you one of the things I'm betting on, if t- if the state of Texas does not have access to hydrocarbons, then then the the fifty thousand rounds of ammo I have is gonna be the thing. Because like if Texas <laughs> Doesn't have access to state to hydrocarbons. Yeah, yeah. Meaning like propane, gasoline, diesel. Then shit has gone so sideways. Yeah, and it, it is basically worst case. Now we're at a nine ten now. Yeah, I was gonna say, we're not talking two now. We're talking ten. Yeah, no, we're talking. Yeah. So we got energy. We got security. Defense, got- water, food, energy. The last one is actually the most important. Community. Yeah, I love that. Why don't you get some thoughts around that? Because I know you guys chose dripping and there's a lot of families. Yeah, so um, 
one of the when I really started diving deep into preparation, right? Uh, I, I realized most of the stuff out there is garbage and useless. But the P, I started talking to the people, people who have lived through collapses, who have lived through true chaos, right? The one thing that all of them said, like, and I talked to multiple people from different things, like it, you know, Green Berets, guys in the military who cause and and uh, these sorts of situations. I talked to people who lived through the Chechen Revolution, the Bosnian-Serbian Wars. Um, I talked to a bunch of them. The one thing they all say, all of them, is that, dude, if you want to make it, you better have a group. Yeah. Like, you better the idea, um, the dumbass American idea of the, the lone wolf John Rambo, those motherfuckers are the first to die. Like, that, they, they don't make it. Uh, groups make it. Well-coordinated well-supplied, well-trained groups who are very aligned, make it. And yeah. so like, that's, I mean, that's one of the primary reasons we picked dripping. Like without like going into, I live here, so I'm not going to go into super deep detail, but I will tell you that um, this is one going to be one of the best places in almost any one to 10 degree of chaos scenario, this is going to be one of the best places in the world to be uh, because of the people here. Not because, like, listen, man, let's be honest. Texas is a shitty state, like in terms of like, like physical beauty and resources oh. and like the ease of growing stuff and water. It is not the state to pick. It no. is truly not. Well, Oregon, but, Oregon's way better. Oh, dude, you can name 50, not 50, you can name 20 states that are right off the top, like way, way better in terms of water, in terms of ease of growing stuff, in terms of natural beauty. Oh, no, dude, Texas, there's a reason General Phil, Philip Sheridan said, if I owned hell and Texas, I'd rent out Texas and live in hell. <laughs> like, there's a reason he said that. I'm not going to say, oh, Texas is so beautiful, man. Fuck no. that. It's a shithole, Phys- just physically. It just is, right? But the, for politically and just some accidents of, of whatever, this state is full of hard-ass motherfuckers. And I mean hard in the best possible way. Yeah. Right? And so, like, the the group of people around us. And it's so funny, Matt. Jo- you mentioned early John Rulin asked. Uh, uh, he, he, he was, he's been thinking about moving to Texas. And, and one of the things I told him. One of the things I said in my big doomer optimism piece that really resonated with a lot of people was there are no more safe places. There are only safe people. And John asked me, how do I find safe people? And I looked at him and I said, John, the way you find them is you become one first. Uh, Right. And that's one of the reasons I picked dripping is because before I went looking for someone to save me, I saved myself. And I got my shit together. And then the people who already had their shit together wanted me around them. Because they knew I could have their back as well. Interesting. Right? Like, let's just pretend for a second that I'm not full of shit. I'm actually a safe person. I kind of have my shit together. Like, I don't want to go. Like, and let's pretend you're just freaking out. You haven't done anything and you're a clown. Like, I'm not saying you are, but let's pretend. I don't want you around me. And there's no offense, man. But yeah, like, no, you become a, you become a liability. I was just gonna say, I'm I'm a, I'm a liability on the balance sheet, not an asset. Right, so, right, right. Be- but 
But if you like really get your shit together and you like have gathered good resources and you have a couple skills and you've got the right mindset, I want you near me because now together we're blessed, especially if your skills are a compliment, we're both better off. So, so I need to learn how to be a better sharpshooter and to, uh, and to fix, uh, (laughs) no, it depends. Seriously. Like I almost all skills have a place, you know, and like some old lady, who can't even pick up a gun, but talks to everybody and is friends with everybody, that's a skill. Yeah. You know, or someone who, you know, my, my mother-in-law, like she's, she has all kinds of like weird homemaker skills, canning, uh, sewing, which in an abundant, hyper-connected, resource-rich, uh, yeah. hyper-efficient world are kind of useless. In a world where supply chains are broken and where it's hard to get things, her skills yep. are valuable super valuable yeah Yeah. i love it man um i know we're running over dude i i we could go on for hours like this is i feel like we're just getting started but man um i I really appreciate you coming to share some of this and and i know some folks who are listening to this are like these guys are talking some crazy shit and to your point it's like hey look like at best case scenario most of this shit doesn't happen and it's just some disruption and we as a country step up and get through this and we're better off Worst case scenario, some of it happens and you you're, you you heard it here first and you're doing some things to, to your point, to take accountability for yourself. Well, so he, here's the way I, 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 and I wrote this in the piece I wrote. I would do, if let's say that you had a, a true crystal ball and you could tell me, Tucker, it, on a scale of one to 10, it's going to be a two. Like, yeah, change and disruption is coming, but it's going to be a two, right? It's going to be really, really low. I would tell you, and I, this is a God's honest truth. Everything I'm doing now, I would do the same, except a few of the, a lot of the, I probably tone the defense down stuff about 80%, right? Because I wouldn't, I don't need 50,000 rounds of ammo. I'm good with 500, you know, or whatever. And then like, I, I, w- I definitely wouldn't go as crazy on having redundant systems for water or power, right? You know, like I would tone all that down, but the basic core stuff I'm doing, I would do exactly the same. Yeah, Because like whether it's a two or an eight on the chaos scale, right? At the end of this, this is why I'm optimistic. At the end of this, I am going to be on beautiful land uh, uh, that I work with my family. We're going to get most of our food and sustenance from land that we work. So it'll be of the utmost quality, the utmost health, right? We're going to spend most of our time together and around people we really know and like and share values with. And we're going to have this kind of weird, idyllic existence, right? Yeah. So it's like all the core stuff would stay the same. That's the, that. And so I, I really think, I think things are going to get bad, Darius. I really do. But on a scale of one to 10, like I really think we're probably going to, we're looking for a five, six, seven. I think it's going to get, bad but i think as long as we make it out of the bad parts like i think there's gonna be a lot of pockets of very intense violence i think a lot of people are gonna die seriously like i hate to say it and i I don't just mean america i mean around the world i think a lot of people not gonna make it man a, a lot but as long as we don't society itself doesn't as long as we don't reach that collapse tipping point i think we come out the other side with the opportunity to have a true golden age. We have a world of people who have taken responsibility for themselves and their community who are actually doing positive things for themselves and their community. And people are connected and in a, like 
interacting with what's around them and the things that are important instead of shit posting on Twitter about something around the world that has no impact on them. Yeah. Right. Like that's why I'm optimistic because if we come out of this with a world where everyone has is growing vegetables and has a couple of chickens and, and is really integrated in their community and knows all their neighbors and whose kids play with their neighbors and, that sounds kind of awesome. I, I hope we can Just get as there. an example, not saying everyone has to be Russic, you know, like whatever. Because you can you can have stuff like that in cities. It's not yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can or not. You know? totally urban gardens and people taking care of it. You themselves. Do all, all that kinds of stuff in cities. Totally. I mean, it's all illegal now. You can't zoning and whatever. But fuck that. That's just rules made up by bureaucrats. You can tell all of them to kiss off. <laughs> Man, Tucker. I love you, brother, and I appreciate everything that you, that you've just gone over with us, and just the it's an education session just every time I hang out with you. So thank you so much. My yeah. pleasure, man. Happy to anytime. Um, where where can folks who want to learn more about this go to your blog? Can you give some some feedback? Tuckermax.com. So just go Tucker- to tuckermax.com. And are you going to be posting more stuff about this? Or are you is this the beginning yeah, of? Yeah. So no, it, it absolutely is because it's like what I spend all my time. I'm spending all my time building my ranch. Like I'm not prepping for disaster, like hoarding uh, cans of beans. No, I'm building my ranch, right? And, and building it to be sovereign and resilient. But I'm I'm going to live here whether whether the world goes to hell or goes to heaven, right? Yeah. So now I like this is it, I'm I'm preparing it if it goes to hell. The worst case, uh, but I, I'm not, that's not how I'm expecting. I'm expecting uh, that it, you know I live here on a day to day basis. I don't I don't want to live in a bunker. Right? Yeah, so, no. but but I'm I'm actually doing well, big extensive posts on. You can see that that kind of the initial Doomer Optimism post that blew up and has had truly millions of unique views at this point. It's kind of crazy. I'm doing big posts on each of the five things: defense, water, food, power, community. I'm starting with defense. I actually ended up hiring the guy, uh, Clay Martin, who's a former Green Beret, who wrote this book, Concrete Jungle, another one, Prairie Fire, which kind of like details like, listen, guys, if shit goes sideways in America, this is what you need to understand. This is how urban warfare works, because he's been doing it all over the world for 20 years. Wow. Like shit's been sideways all in parts of the world for the last 20 years, just not in America. Right. And I think a lot of that's coming on the roost. And so I actually hired him as a consultant and he's really taught me. Got so much, man. It's like kind of amazing. And so he's agreed to do like an extensive podcast with me. And we're going to talk about a bunch of this stuff. And I'm going to share a huge amount of what I learned. And then like water, I got my water expert. I got my a couple of different food people, two different power people. And then like I'm going to literally bring in the people that I learned from and then people I hired and the people I work with talk about what we did, right? Which is not the only option. And then say, hey, listen, here's what other people are doing. Because there's tons of ways to do that. I mean, there's a million ways to feed yourself. You know, like we we happen to be able to afford good ranching land. If you can't, though, it doesn't mean you die. There's lots and lots and lots of ways to do it in lots of different places. Dude, I'm so I'm 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 excited to read your stuff, and I've and I was and I've been following this stuff as as it's from its infancy with with you starting to talk about it. So, dude, I'm so uh, look. Obviously, hopefully, none of this stuff happens, or very little of it happens. But but to your point, that a lot of the stuff you're talking about is a better way of living, and I think that that just gives us some reflection of how can we be take care of ourselves, have self responsibility. It doesn't matter if the world goes to hell or to heaven. That's something everyone should strive for. And this is you know, and, and if if you're able to add value to folks in that way, that then it's a, such a, such a valuable way to to lead your existence. I appreciate that from from you so much, my friend. Yep. Thank you, ma'am.
Cool, dude. Um, well, guys, listen, uh, check out the TuckerMax.com. Uh, sorry, that's TuckerMax.com, his website, uh, where he's posting about all this stuff. And, uh, man, Tucker, thank you so much again, my brother. Appreciate you. Thanks, Bears. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.